Donna. And I'm Carrie. We are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 289. So let me just tell you all about this. Tell me what you think. For Mother's Day, Colby and I got my mom a bench to put at the end of my dad's grave because she really likes to go and likes to sit and, you know, chat and just spend time with him, right? So mom goes to visit the grave today and she was like, so looking forward to it because the weather was nice. She was looking forward to just sitting on her bench, you know, yada, yada, yada. She gets there. The bench is gone. What? Yeah. So she calls them and they're like, yeah, we picked it up. Um, benches aren't allowed. So we pick them up and like, you can come get it if you want it. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. She was like, apparently it was in the rules I got. Well, they say that they go through and they take them all up. But it's like all of a sudden, like three months fucking later, it was like, 400 other benches there like clearly you don't do it very often if all these benches were out there and that's all we thought it was okay yeah and like i get if it's a rule she can't have it she can't have it like okay i get that but like that bench has been there since may and there were a bunch of other benches there when dad was buried like that's what you know what i mean like most places let you okay so it's fine that it's a rule we gotta follow the rules but i'm pissed it's a fucking rule yeah i've never heard of that rule ever this is like a kind of a city graveyard too so they use like the parks and rec service that will come and mow it and they i think they use inmates too so it's not like it's like a one-man show trying to mow this and it's like because it is fairly large but like you still have to weed it around the headstones and stuff so what's the difference yeah that's really weird i'm just trying to think like i mean we never got a bench for anyone that was buried but I know my family in Mobile has. Yeah, it's like a thing. Yeah. But I guess this one doesn't allow it, which I, okay, that's fine. If it's a rule, like, we didn't have a rule. I'm pissed it's a rule. Yeah, but also, you can't just cherry pick which ones you take up and which ones you don't. Well, they say that they go through and they take them all up. But it's like, all of a sudden, like, three months fucking later. Right. And if there weren't a lot of them, y'all wouldn't have thought it was okay. Right. You would have noted this is weird. There's no benches here. Right. Like, it's a thing. But again, I'm not saying, like, there should be an exception to the rule. I'm saying it's a stupid fucking rule. It should be a rule. Yeah. I'm annoyed. I was fucking annoyed when she sent the text today because, oh, I was so annoyed. And, like, just because she was looking forward to it, I was like, well, we'll get you a chair that you can just, like, keep in your car, you know, so that you can just go sit out there and just take it home with you. Yeah. Oh, it made me so mad. And it's just me being protective. But, like, it's a stupid fucking rule. It is. It really is. My poor mama, she just wanted to go sit out there. And you know she was probably like, uh, um, where the fuck is the bench? Could you imagine her having walked up there and, like, what she was probably thinking? Oh, my gosh. And her birthday's tomorrow. So it just, it just pissed me off all around. And you know I'm a rule follower. Again, if we can't have it, we can't have it. But I'm mad it's a rule. Yeah. Drink every time Carrie said that. I know, I did say a lot thinking that. Don't, you'll be too sick. Actually, let's talk about Patreoners first. Because, you know, sometimes I get on rolls and I forget. So thank you so much, Kayla P. from Texas. Gracie C. from Missouri. McKenna C. from Oklahoma. D.T., like D-E-E-T, from Colorado. Jessica G. from Georgia. And Ellen F. from Idaho. Idaho. Do y'all get tired of that? Like, if you're from Idaho, are you like, oh, every time somebody says that? <laughs> Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. If you want an episode shout out and getting all the good good that's coming out every single week on Patreon, 
head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, I had a little epiphany last night. I was laying in bed and wait, wait, what got me thinking about it? Speaking of epiphanies, remind me of mine that I just had today. Well, I want to hear yours now. I'll remember mine. Okay, well, yours is probably good. Mine, we were in training, so we're watching someone do their job that we're going to do. And there's like 10 of us there, okay? And the person who was doing it had two attachments and they had analytics. One was spelled wrong. And so they were like, oh my gosh, how did I spell that wrong? And so I was looking to see if they corrected it. And I was just looking and looking and I was like, there's anal in analytics. I've spelled that so many times, but I've never, (laughs) that's why I said to remind me. So you could have went first with your epiphany. But I was like, I was today years old. Let's go ahead and remember to spell it. Yeah. Also, uh, since, you know, we work in the cannabis industry, one girl that I was with, she was like, why can I not remember how to spell cannabis? Oh, that's a hard one. But me, Patty Joe's daughter, said, what I think of is cannabiscuit. So it's cannabis. That's how I remember. She was like, okay. And I was like, it's a carbs, girl. It does it for me. Well, I saw a TikTok today that was like, What's um, a random like piece of information that you cannot forget that means absolutely nothing? You know what mine is? What? The tunica interna. Smooth inner lining. Made of epithelial cells. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a study partner, I'm retired. Donna, Donna is the best study partner because that was from anatomy and physiology in 11th grade. And I don't know why I was like panicking because I couldn't remember anything. And Donna was helping me learn stuff for the test. And that was on like, I think that's in the stomach. It's like cells, epithelial cell things in the stomach. And she sang a song and we kept seeing it. Was it on the test? Absolutely not. Do I still remember it 25 years later? Sure fucking do. I know. I remember being like, was it on there? And you're like, nope. It's like, (laughs) well, fuck. But we still remember the song. Back to my epiphany last night. Cannot remember what got me thinking of this, but I started thinking about how we track the migration of animals. We want to know what a whale does. We just scoop a whale up, stick something in it, and then we see where it goes, right? I've never even thought about how they track. Okay, well, that's what they do. Like, they put, like, a little tracking device in it so they can see where it goes. And I was like, I wonder if they, like, get it, grab a shark, put the thing in it, Like, what if they're not where he was going? Like, what if his family moved on? Like, how does he know where to go? And then I was thinking, actually, when you look at, like, a shark's migration stuff, like, it's, like, all over the ocean. So he'd have found his way back. Why did you ever look at this? I don't know. But this is what got me thinking. I was like, what do those animals think when that happens to them? Something scoops them up, pokes them, puts them back in the ocean. What the fuck do they go tell their whale friends? (laughs) and are we the same thing and aliens are really the bigger beings and they're picking us up probing us and sending us back and then the people who come back and tell the other humans we're like ain't no way but if a whale went down and told its friends this thing that was in a black suit picked me up shot me with something and put me back down same shit Well, I'm glad that you've come around to think that aliens might abduct people. I've never said aliens didn't exist. That's what I'm saying. But the abduction, you didn't believe. But I'm just saying, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, no, it totally is. Like, I mean, I got there right before you said that. 
because of how you were saying it. And I'm like, wait, is she going to make this connection? Yes. <laughs> that was my epiphany last night. But you really can like look at the tracks of the things that they could do, you know, and see where they all swim. And sharks go, I mean, like 400 miles. I don't really know how far, but a long way. Oh, okay. So I started watching the new season of Love is Blind. And, you know, they are in these pods and they ask questions and all of that. They can't see each other. And this one guy asked a question. And I was like, that's such a good question. And the girl was like, oh, my God. Like, ooh. Like, because, you know, like the after interview, she was like, I was stunned. And I was like, me? I'm like, that's a good question. So I'm going to ask you, okay? Okay. Did I ask my boss this question today? I sure did. But, okay, fuck, marry, kill, waffles, pancakes, and French toast. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, marry waffles, my fave. Kill the French toast and fuck the pancakes. But if a guy asked me that on a date or even just, like, talking, I'd be like, that's a good question. Like, that's a fun question. Right. And also, it's like, what are we going to eat for breakfast? Exactly. So you watch Love is Blind, but Colby and I started the Chucky TV series last night. We watched a couple episodes of it. It was cute. It was decent. I can't get over the new Chucky. Like, I don't know. I tried, like, maybe one episode. I was like, yeah, no. I I didn't know it was different. Than the original movie? Yeah, the the doll looks different. Yeah, to me. I guess because it's, like, different animatronics or something like I don't know it just doesn't look as scary and maybe that's just me because I'm not as scared but I will tell you if I see a Chucky doll out in the wild that scares me actually the eyebrows are different and the freckles are different I can see that finally y'all we got to go to spirit Halloween I made Colby take me and by made I mean he was just as eager to go as I was and at spirit they had an Annabelle doll and a Chucky doll and I was like ain't no way ain't no fucking how I would buy either one of those fucking dolls Mm -mm, I'm not gonna test it no mm -mm, no fucking way see I would do more of like if they had a Ouija board thing because usually a Ouija board doesn't play by itself but all the things we hear uh those are possessed by themselves right I don't I'm not fucking with any of it Well, before we get into the stories, you know that when you sleep, your temperature can seriously affect how you sleep. If you're like me, sometimes you're hot and kicking off all the covers. Sometimes you're cold and you're stealing them from your partner. But Miracle Made Sheets are inspired by NASA. And see, this is what makes them different. It's silver-infused fabrics that is temperature-regulated bedding to help you sleep perfect all night long. And you know your girl loves to sleep. Well, I don't love to sleep as much as you, but I sleep super hot. And I have woken up sweating lately. And so I haven't got the best sleep. And so I'm lethargic the next day. It's just been a thing. So I'm super excited about Miracle Made bed sheets. Also, if you don't change your bed sheets a lot, just know that there's a lot of bacteria in those sheets. But even if you do change them often, it's still a lot of bacteria in those bed sheets. And when you have those gross bed sheets, it can cause acne, impact your allergies, you wake up with a stuffy nose, all of that gross crap. So Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding of like sheets, pillowcases, comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria. So you have to launder it three times less. I mean, if I don't have to do laundry for that many times, like I get to skip two times. 
So Mushies came in today, and I am so excited to try them. But you want to know what the first thing I noticed was? They got two stickers on the package. One of them shows you what regular sheets look like after so long, and the other one shows you what those sheets look like after so long. And it's like microscopic little buggy bugs in there. And I am like, they just need to go on immediately. So not only are they not as gross, the comfort and the quality, it's like five-star hotel. Just the comfort that hugs you in the best way possible and doesn't make you hot. So you're basically getting luxurious comfort that feels like you're in a five-star hotel, but it's not going to clog up your pores with all that crap that's in your sheets right now, and you're going to sleep comfortably. But here's the thing. It's not as high of a price tag as some other luxury brands. It's good for the planet, good for your skin, good for your sleep. I mean, where is the downside? So if you want to get in on this and try these Miracle Made sheets that are going to be so comfortable and so cozy, try Miracle.com slash creep to try Miracle Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save 40% off. And if you use our promo code creep at checkout, you're going to get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Also, Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you get a full refund. So upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com creep and use the code creep to get your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com dot com slash creep to treat yourself and you know have good sleep because it's a freaking miracle so colby was perusing the tiktok and he found this story and he always tells me that i never do the stories that he shows me so i'm doing one i mean i was literally at dinner when he was like i'm gonna stop sending you stuff yeah well he showed me another one and i was like i'll do it so this story actually happens in germany so your girl is gonna do her best Words are hard. This is the story of Christman Janipertinga. Okay, so Christman, which we're going to call him for the rest of the time, he was born in 1569 in a town called Kirpen in Germany. However, we're not 100% sure that's actually when he was born because, you know, we're talking the 16th century. It's not like we have like the perfect birth records because this story really takes place in the 1570s. So I'm like, the boy would have been 10. And that ain't the case. So highly doubt that's actually his birth year. Okay, so it's said that Chrisman basically made a house in a cave. And this is in the forests of Rhineland, which this is what's interesting about that part to me, is this is the same area that Adolf Hitler later, when he was trying to avoid signing the Treaty of Versailles, this is where he kind of went and like made his camp to hide out. Just a little tidbit. So anyway, so there's some caves. And one of these caves is where he basically built a house inside of it. But it had like mine shafts and all that all around. But he had like a house set up. So this is around the time when there were a lot of like gangs of robbers just out and about robbing people. So Christman was just like that. But this time he was the head of the robbers. But he always took it a little too far. He wasn't the one to just be like, give me all your gold. He would be like, give me all your gold and then kill the people. But throughout the area, there were a lot of German and French travelers that would be the ones that he would stop and rob. 
And like I said, he would often kill them, but he wouldn't just kill the people who he was robbing. He would also kill his partners in crime too. So what they would do is they'd rob somebody, kind of go back with their loot, and then he would kill his partner to take all of the loot. So he was bad all the way around. Right. And it's said that he had started really getting a lot of money. Basically, in today's money, think like $780,000. Well, probably a little more now because this article from Crime and Culture in early modern Germany said that like that is as of 2016. So it could be significantly more. Yeah. I mean, with the way things cost now, I'd say probably closer to a million, but what do I know? So at the time, the average earner earned about 300 golden per year. That's G-U-L-D-E-N. So he's doing his thing, robbing people, and then killing them. But, you know, it's like, where are all these bodies going? Like, he's not just leaving them out, because how in the world would he continue to get people to join his gang if he was, like, constantly killing the people in his gang? What he was doing was dropping the bodies down the mine shafts. Wow. And it said that there were, like, tunnels kind of throughout the cities, like, connecting them, and he would use those to travel, like, with the bodies and, you know, to get through to the other places. Using his surroundings. Now, but this is where things get worse. So one time, Chrisman was going to rob this woman. And I don't know, he just saw something in her that sparked a little, you know, inappropriateness. So instead of robbing and killing her, he kidnapped her. Oh my gosh. He took her back to his cave and held her captive for seven years. Seven years? Yes. And throughout the seven years, he did exactly what we would think that he would do. He repeatedly raped her. Now, while he had her, she got pregnant and delivered six children. Holy shit. However, every child that she delivered, Christman would kill. Oh my God. Now, there are some accounts that say that he would cannibalize the children. Ew. But I don't know that for sure. That's way worse. So after having been captive for so long, eventually the woman convinced Chrisman to let her out to go into the city. And he made her take an oath like, okay, I actually never saw the part about the oath anywhere, but I did hear it on a podcast called Square Mile of Murder. But anyway, he basically made her take an oath like, okay, you're going to be loyal to me and you're not going to do anything while you're gone. And she was like, no, <laughs> repeat after me. Like, But as she got out of the cave and went back into the city, she started like seeing the kids playing the street and she just fell into the center of the street just crying. Now, this is where the story changes a lot. So I'm going to tell you the version I kind of saw the most. So basically, she's crying in the street and people are trying to console her, but she's like inconsolable. So they take her to the mayor. The part about the mayor I also heard on that podcast I just told you about. They finally get her to tell what's going on. And she tells them she had been held captive. He's expecting her back all the things and they say okay go back to him show us where you know where he is go back to him and we're gonna come and save you but like we're gonna give it a minute because we don't want him to be expecting us so we're not just gonna follow you there so they had her leave a trail of peas so they could know where she went wild animals can be eating those literally my thoughts i was like why couldn't well let's why not a pebble right or just like 
watch her inconspicuously. Yeah, I'm like, Hansel and Gretel, who? Right. So she leaves a trail of peas, goes back to the cave, and then after, honestly, I don't know how long. I don't know if it was hours. I don't know if it was days. I don't know. 30 people break in and save her. And he's like, I knew you would betray me. Well, I was just thinking she risked so much going back because if he thought she did betray him or something, like he he would have just killed her. Right. So after Chrisman was arrested, they start going through all of his things and they find his journal. And in this journal, he had kept it for over 13 years. And in it, he wrote about every single person that he had murdered and what he had stolen from them. And in the journal, he said that it was his goal to kill a thousand people. And based on his journal, he had killed 964 people. Holy fuck. Also, why do bad people always keep a fucking journal? Cassettes of them talking, videos that they make. I mean, I'm glad they do. Yeah, thankfully they do because that helps us catch them, but absolutely. So Chrisman was quickly convicted and sentenced to death, but by pretty terrible execution, he was sentenced to the wagon wheel. Have you ever heard of this? Well, I think so. Basically, they break your arms and your legs so that they can, like, thread them through the spokes of the wheel. And... That gets mounted on a pole. And it's like this, they just torture you over and over and over. Chrisman was on that wheel for nine days. Days? Days. Before he finally passed. There was a pamphlet that was circled through in 1581. And really, it's the only piece of... Like documented? Yeah. Only the only piece of documentation. And it says that on June seventeenth, fifteen eighty one, the executioner finally executed the sentence in Birkencastle Cues. Sorry if I destroyed that. A heavy cartwheel smashed the bones of the robber and murderer Christman. Well, and and it changes his name a little bit too. But anyway, the end of a series of murder that began thirteen years earlier and is unique in European history. 964 people are said to have been murdered. Essentially, Chrisman is one of the most notorious serial killers, right? Yeah. But is he even real? Oh, shit. Right. So that pamphlet is literally the only piece of evidence that he ever even existed. Wow. What kind of story is this? Mine? I know. So here's the thing with the pamphlet. So back in the day, people could publish literally anything they wanted. Because this was at the very beginning of printed press. And so people would say absolutely anything in order to get people to read their stories. So it could have all been a lie or it could be part truths. We don't actually know. Yeah. However, crime and criminals in the 16th century Seville did say that during that time, there was a huge rise in the amount of thievery, basically, and organized, like, gangs of robbers that would have stopped you and robbed you and potentially murdered you. Like, there was this one Martin Steer who is kind of like this well-known gang leader, and basically, he was a shepherd that got 48 other shepherds to join his gang, and they basically spent 20 years going back and forth from Germany, the Netherlands, and robbing people. So that, however, is not unheard of. So it's possible that he was just either, even if he was a leader of a gang or a gang member that did all the robbing, and then it just became bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. 
Also, I love that you keep calling it a gang of robbers, but you know, it's a band of thieves. Isn't that it? I think it's either one. So another thing too, is that there are a lot of other examples of this story in other cultures that's, that's pretty much the exact same thing. There's a version in Scotland. There was Sonny Bean, and he was actually supposedly around before Christmas. And same thing, had a cave, robbing people. So probably at one point, someone did do this, but then when people could write their own stories or whatever, they're like, I have a story to write that people are going to like and made their right. own thing. And it grew and grew and grew and just kind of became like folklore. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, this is so something that would happen to my stories normally. Right. Well, and then you also have to think too, like it, it, you said it while I was telling the story without even realizing you were saying one of the things is that there's so many pieces of this story that is in fairy tales, like Hansel and Gretel with dropping the peas and all of that. Like, why would they send her with peas? Like, why would they not just follow her? Why would they not do all the things, you know? Well, and I just feel like no matter when, if you're talking about back in the day, food was scarce for real, though. Right. Especially in the 16th century. Yeah. So, like, they wouldn't be like, here's a shit ton of peas. Right. Go and do this. Because it literally anything could have taken those peas. I mean, the wind. Right. And the story also grew and grew and grew, too. Like, so... The number of kills grew. Some stuff said that he cannibalized. Some stuff didn't say that. Some stuff said that he worshipped Satan. Something said that he had supernatural strength. So as it grew into more of like a folklore type tale, his abilities and the aspects of the story like that continued to change. And the other thing, too, is that, I mean, the number of people that he would have had to have killed in this 13, I mean, we're talking like, over six people a month in order for him to make that amount of people over the 13 years. Like, I think more people would notice. You're going to fill up some damn mine shafts. You know, more people are going to start noticing, wait, we're having six people die a month in this area? Right. Like, it would have drawn more red flags if he truly killed that many people. Well, and I don't know what the population was of this town, but, like, that's a lot to go missing anywhere, really. You know what I mean? Well, even if you think about even today, if you, I mean, even if you're in a largely populated area, you have 50 people that go missing or murdered in an area. People are going to start putting the pieces together. They're going to say, hey, my best friend was traveling through Houston and this is the route she took. We never saw her again. Wait, well, mine would too. Mine did too. You know, people are going to start talking, especially if that's a route that you take to go to market or whatever, that you would be having people travel through. So if people are going to notice. So basically, as it seems as the story was passed down, it changed, you know, as it went. So the question is, was it a real story or was it something that was just passed down Or was it something that really happened and just continued to grow as it was passed down? Right. Yeah. Before we get into my story, we got to talk about tushy. Yeah. And y'all know I have been using the shit out of my tushy. Yes. And again, let me just say that their branding and everything, so funny. This is what they put in an email. This is how you get your butthole so glowy. First, squat. Second, plop. Third, spray. Fourth, admire. Fifth, dry. And then 
six shine but the squat is just sitting on the toilet and then plop is what you know you do a number two and it just cracked me up so much that that's something that they emailed out and it's just like they they make it fun and you know I am weird about talking about the number two everything and it makes me laugh yes I love their branding but more importantly I love my tushy and if you don't know yet, we're talking about a bidet attachment. And let me tell y'all, y'all know how much I love a bidet. And yeah, I still do use toilet paper to do my dry wipe. And you can use, you know, do your dry wipe, but you cannot fight a spicy poop. You can't fight that fire with paper. You need water. That is true. Let me tell y'all, you constipated, you got diarrhea, you just got a regular poop. A bidet is here for you. And taking a dump should not cost you money. Because, y'all, the amount of money that I have spent on toilet paper and wipes that have flooded my house, literally flooded my house, is astronomical. But since getting a bidet, the amount of money that I have actually spent on toilet paper has is literally a fraction. Like, it is, because Colby just drip dries. I have to do a dry wipe. So we literally use very little toilet paper in a month. And I'll be honest, I use toilet paper more than I use a bidet, but there are times that the bidet is the only way to go. That's the only time you're going to get that clean. And also, those spicy poops, if you have them multiple days in a row, you don't want to have to wipe. For sure. Like, let's just be honest here. And so, that steady, clean stream is the only way to go. Especially, like Donna said, when you've got multiple days where you're sick with like a stomach virus or something. You gotta have a bidet, and Tushy is here for you. The Hello Tushy Bidet cleans your bum with a fresh stream of water that's two times better than wiping, and it prevents poo-poo particles from spreading to your hands and everything you touch. And also, y'all, if you want to get spicy with your partner and you want to do anything with the booty, make sure you use the Tushy first. Well, literally anything, though. The before and after care is is really anything in the bedroom. I like to use my tushy for before and after care. Oh, that's true because I did read in another email because I actually opened their emails, y'all, because they're that good. But it says that Hello Tushy Bidet can help lower UTIs. Oh, I 1000% believe that. And, he, and even better, tushy bidets attach to your existing toilet. It requires no electricity, no additional plumbing, and like we said, it cuts toilet paper use by 80%. The Hello Tushy Bidet pays for itself in under a year. And also, it only takes like eight minutes to install, especially if you have Carrie's husband install it for you. It really is. Donna really could have installed it herself. It's really that easy. And with over 100,000 five-star reviews, you can see why millions of people, real pooping humans... Love Hello Tushy Bidet. And even better, the Hello Tushy Bidet attachment comes with a 30-day risk-free guarantee and a 12-month warranty. So it's time to stop wiping and start washing and go to hellotushy.com forward slash creep and use promo code creep for 10% off your first order. That's hellotushy.com slash creep for 10% off your first order. You will not be disappointed with this bidet just like all the other people. But remember, it does come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to hellotushy.com forward slash creep and use promo code creep for 10% off your first order. So what I think about old Chrisman 
is that he there was some truth to him. But the fact that we don't know anything about him, which granted, a lot of records were lost. And I mean, you've had two world wars happening over in that area since then. So yes, a lot of records are lost. I don't think that we're going to have necessarily a birth record from 1550. But I do think that there is a bit of truth to his story. But I don't think it's necessarily one person. I think it's just the acts of many that were told in order to instill fear in a good way to keep people safe on travels. Yeah, I was going to say, like, whoever the story was this time, it was Chrisman, but it was their boogeyman. Right. And the fact, too, that you have the story of someone being kidnapped that was there for seven years, that clearly could have happened because, you know, we've done many stories where people have been held for decades, but we don't know her name. We don't know anything about her. You know, I just think that there would be a little more to that story if it were true. I can't believe you did a story that was so similar to something I would do where it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of truth, but a whole lot of, you know, grandiose detail. I like it. You're switching it up. Thanks, Colby. I did. I thought about it. I was like, ooh, because there is, you know, some stuff where it could be supernatural stuff. And so I was like, Hmm. Should I send this one to Donna? No, I'm going to do it. Well, that's okay because this week I'm doing a recommendation from the Facebook group again. And this one comes from Katie Rose C. And it's in Portland, Oregon. And it just seems kind of fitting for me, you know, in my head because the company I now work for is headquartered in Oregon. And so Oregon's been on my mind. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So what I'm going to be talking about is the Witch's Castle in Portland, Oregon. Now, the spelling changes depending on the source. So it's either W-I-T-C-H apostrophe S or like witches plural and then the apostrophe at the end of the S. But I saw like a witch's castle more in the sources. And because I'm an extra large pizza, you know what that reminded me of? What? Witch, witch. Oh, good sandwich place. Mm-hmm. But it's like, which witch is the real witch? Unsure. But okay, let's start at the beginning. Like I mentioned, it's located in Portland, Oregon. And in 1847, there is a man named Danford Balch. It's B-A-L-C-H. So it might be Balch. Look, we are doing so wonderfully pronouncing names in this episode. Right. So he had just married this beautiful widow with two kids. They started on the Oregon Trail, literally Oregon Trail. They didn't get dysentery? No. Oh my God, I wrote that. I said, for real though, no one died of dysentery that I could find. But in 1850, Danford bought some land and he was determined to make this his family's homestead. But he needed help clearing the land, building the house, maintenance, you know, all of that. So enter Mortimer Stump. He was just a guy passing through needed some work, and he was originally from Vancouver, Washington, but he was just one of those people who led a nomadic life, you know, wanted to see the country and just did little odding and jobs, something that I could not do because anxiety would riddle my body. Like, I'm just one of those people who plan before I even go anywhere. I mean, insert me being an extra large pizza. So I'm like, oh, we're going here. Let me see what kind of chairs they have, all the things. For sure. But like there is no way that I could just be like, I'm going to go where the wind takes me and do all of this. I'm not built for hard labor. I'm not. How Carrie says she didn't want to do anything but glamp and stuff. 
Mortimer and me, we just didn't have anything in common, okay? So the two men start working tirelessly on the land and, you know, like they're spending hours and hours and hours together. Well, you've heard of like the ranch hand falling for the farmer's daughter. Yeah. Like all the country songs, all the Lifetime movies about it. We all love those, right? Well, old Morty Stump, he fell in love with Danford's daughter, Anna. Now, she was the eldest of nine children. Thing is, she was 15 at the time. But, you know, Mortimer sounds like he's as old as fucking Merlin or Rumpled Siltskin, so I don't know. Meanwhile, though, at some point he had to be a kid. Right. (laughs) I mean, he could have been a younger guy because, I mean, he was, like, unmarried. He was living the nomadic life. Yeah. So he could have been younger. It's just Mortimer was just such an old name. name. Yeah. (laughs) But it didn't matter how old he was, whatever, because Danford was like, not no, but hell no. Sorry, I just go back to my grandmother's name is Florence. And, like, I just picture, like, six-year-old Florence. Like, that doesn't exist. Yeah. So, it didn't matter that the dad was like, no, no, no. Because these two had a Romeo and Juliet thing about them. And they just couldn't resist each other. And so, they kept secretly meeting and hanging out and, you know, all the things. Well, it came time for the next step in their relationship. So Morty wanted to do right by it, you know, quote unquote, and ask for Danford's blessing in marrying Anna. Again, Danford was like, fuck no, dude. But I think also it wasn't really about the age thing, because again, I don't know the age difference, but it was that Morty was, again, this guy who had, quote unquote, nothing going for him. Right. You know, like, He didn't have, like, a homestead of his own. He didn't have, you know, he was working as, a like, a hired help. You know, so Danford was like, what do you have to offer my daughter? But, you know, also, he was a fucking mean guy. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, love is love, dude, okay? But even though he said no, they went behind his back and eloped. And he had said, like, if you elope, I am going to fucking kill you. Oh, shit. So do not even think about it, Morty. But lovers going to love and do whatever they want. Because, you know, again, Romeo and Juliet tell his oldest time they eloped. They went back to Morty's hometown in Vancouver, got married in November of 1858. And so that had been a bit. Like, they had been together for a while. Now, after they had their honeymoon without Daddy-O interfering, you know, they were like, okay, we're going to make a life for ourselves here, but we need to go to Portland to get, like, shit they left behind and just supplies for their life together. Well, they were doing their own thing, went to the market to find some stuff for their new home, and that's when they ran into Daddy Danford, and he was pissed. And see, he had been drinking a lot, yeah, And that didn't mix well with his anger. And so he had some choice words for them. But Morty's family was there. And they were like, dude, leave your daughter alone. Like, she's our family now. Like, they are married. You know, all the things. And, I mean, really, they're like, go back to your eight kids and your wife. Like, she's an adult now. Like, yeah, just leave her alone. Leave them alone. Right. So Daddy Danford stomped off. And he was like, you'll rue the day you did this to me. And they just kind of blew him off because, again, like I said, he had been drinking and stuff. But later, the newlyweds and the rest of Morty's family were getting on the ferry to go around the river. And that's when Danford found them. 
he walked right up to Morty and, well, he was even more intoxicated than he was before, so he stumbled a lot. But, like, you know, Danford shot Mortimer in the face with a shotgun. In the face? Yes. So, obviously, people were around, you know, and Danford was arrested and tried for murder. But first, Danford did escape custody for, like, six months, but he was captured and then the trial began. Now, this might be where the witch's castle kind of started because Danford then said like his wife had bewitched him to get all upset and to, you know, be like, I'm going to get our daughter back and bring her back for you, which led him to murdering Mortimer, you know, again, in order to appease his wife. And so she bewitched him. I'm like, oh, blame the woman. Cool. However, that didn't get him off the hook because this wasn't Salem, you know? You couldn't have just said, she's a witch, and you're off the hook. Right. And he was convicted of murder, and on October 18th, Daddy Dan, he was hanged. And it was the first legal hanging in Oregon. Now, apparently there was no love lost between Anna and her dad because she was there in attendance along with her in-laws now. And the spectators were like, there wasn't a tear in her eye. Well, he killed her husband. Right. Who she clearly loved. Like, I mean, she would not have risked her entire life like that if she didn't love him. Yeah. And they were just like, she expressed no emotion upon seeing her father hanged. Now, I will say a little tidbit. This is all alleged. Historians say that Danford's actions were a little extreme even for those days. Because he did have eight other kids and they said like the way he was so attached to Anna was weird and they believe that Anna might have been one of the two children that belonged to the widow. She would have been his stepchild. Now again that's so gross. I'm not saying anything but like in his eyes that might have been why he allowed himself to be this way but they believe Danford reacted more of a jealous lover than a father. Right. And so they believed that he had been molesting Anna and, you know, he was mad that he couldn't have her anymore. But again, this is all speculation. But if you're like looking at that, it does kind of make sense because a lot of people, even though like he didn't have much to offer Anna, that would have been another mouth that he didn't have to feed. Right. You know, and if you have eight other kids and now you finally got your homestead built and all of that. Like, I just feel like he, that was a little weird. And I don't even have it written down, but he was like writing a letter and it was like, when she left that night and I awoke to no daughter, it was a knife through the heart. Oh, the, Jesus. Yeah. So it was just like, calm down, dude. Cause I mean, I get it. Hello. If like, if I had a child and she eloped without telling me and all of this, but like also, you knew this was probably gonna happen. Right. So, I don't know. He just really overreacted to me. And then, I mean, obviously, with the murder of her uh, husband. But I have a question about that in a minute that I want to ask you. Well, and it's like, it's so hard too, though, because I've had people in my life that I'm very, very close to that are in really terrible relationships and that it has, it's been really hard to... Not to love them through it, because you still love them, but, like, to get through that with them without, like, pushing them towards them and without, like, really accepting it because you know that it's so terrible. But, like, really it's their decision, but you also hate the person that they're with so much that you're like, well, I'm not going to hang around them. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it's, so it's like, 
while I'm like, he obviously overreacted because he murdered somebody. But on the flip side, I'm like, I've been in those situations where someone is truly with someone that is terrible for them in the worst possible ways. And like verbally abusive, you know, like a lot of substance abuse, like a lot of stuff that you don't want for them. And you know what I mean? So it's just, yeah, I can kind of see both sides. I mean, obviously don't murder anybody. So I can understand him being mad at her for being with someone that he didn't approve of. Yeah, I get that. But this guy wasn't necessarily bad. He just didn't have the things that he wanted. Like he didn't have land. He didn't have this. So it's like, it wasn't because he was a bad person or was just, you know what I mean? Right. Because like he was with them for years. Right. And he actually lived like in a cabin on the homestead. And I just feel like if he was a bad person, you wouldn't have like invited him to live there with y'all. Correct. To eat dinner with y'all, you know. And also, you know the type of person he was because you worked with him. You know he's going to do what he can do to support your daughter. Like, he's working his ass off with you. He's made sure that your dreams have come true. Right. Like, it's not like he is physically or verbally abusive, Mm -hmm. like in the things I was talking about. Yeah. So after Danford's death, his wife continued to live there on the homestead. And the land was essentially divided among his kids later. And the land changed some hands, but in 1897, it was donated to the city of Portland. And so they turned it into a park. Now, in the 1930s, there was a building that's known as the Witch's Castle. That's when that was built. But it wasn't the original cabin that they lived in or anything like that. This was built by the city Use kind of like a rest area for the park. So it had some restrooms, it had a tool room, and something they called a picnic shelter, which I'm just thinking was like a covering over an open space. Yeah, like a pavilion. Yeah, but it also was used as a ranger station too. Then in 1962, there was like this really bad storm and the building was destroyed for the most part. And so they abandoned it and kind of let nature claim it as its own. So now it's just ruins, or as Carrie would say, ruins. And it's known as the Stone House. Like, that's what all the little, like, plaques say around it. But again, people call it the Witch's Castle. But it is little stones, and it has moss that covers part of the structure. And, you know, the little bit of stone that's still exposed has graffiti on it from high school kids who figured out it was a badass spot to hang out and have parties at and also became like a rite of passage of, you know, like you're not cool unless you hang out there for the night or you know what I mean? Like Nemo touched the butt. Mm-hmm. And people think it's because of the location in the dense woods and just how eerie it looked at night is why kids started calling it the witch's castle because it does look like the ruins of like this old and like witch who would live on the outskirts of town in this house. But the thing is, most people believe that the feud between Morty and Danford didn't die when they did because they're saying it's still continuing from beyond the grave. Hikers say they feel a lot of despair and discomfort when they make it to that location And they just never feel alone there. And sometimes they feel homesick when they get there. Now, also, they have heard toilets flush, even though there's no toilets left. But again, like, 
people who go there know it's just the outer shell of the stone house that remains. So you hear these sounds, but you're like, yeah, that shouldn't be there. There's no electricity. There's no plumbing. There's nothing to this. People also claim that they hear disembodied whispers, screams, even like a laugh. Like they say it's evil, but you never know. Like one person's evil is another one's fun. Who knows? But others say that they have witnessed a dark figure that darts between the trees at night. And then some have claimed that they've seen full body apparitions of a woman and several children. Now, some say that it's a wife of Danford, but others say they believe it's Anna, like coming back and looking for Mortimer. They've also seen flickering lights that's been seen like in the ruins again, you know, there's no electricity and also some bright orbs, which could be just outside, insects, all of that. <laughs> yeah. But Sometimes they're like brighter than what you would normally see. And so that's why people are like, that's weird. And then on a blog called Northwestern Ghosts and Hauntings, someone left a comment that they had caught EVPs there and that they were also touched by an entity. They said kind of pushed, but more so touched. It wasn't like a like a shove. It was more of just like pressure on them. Then on realhaunts.com, it stated that someone actually experienced an apparition of a man dressed in really dated clothing and they heard a male's voice say Anna. And so they said that was Danford looking for his daughter. Now, I watched a video on YouTube from Supernatural Productions and they went to the witch's castle. They captured an EVP that said over here and then another one that said give it to him. And they used, I don't know the technical word for this, but the one that you text things. So like you put input something and then words pop up on the screen. Yeah. So they said, what is here? And the words chief, come, especially in cheat. Those all came up. Spell come. Sounds like one of your weekend chats. Oh, Lord, I wish. But no, it's C-O-M-E. And one of the investigators said that the zoo that's pretty close by the park had recently uncovered some Native American burial sites. Like, that's when the zoo was doing construction. And it's pretty close. And they're like, I mean, isn't everything usually on some type of Native American burial site? Like, if something's going on, it's like, you can track it back to their land was taken away from them or, you know, all of that. But for those bodies to have been exhumed so close and then, like, the chief and chief, all of that came up so they're like that's kind of out of the blue but also that just made news so right you know then another question they asked was do witches come here because again with the name of witches castle people said that witches would go there and practice satanism and you know all of that but literally there's no evidence of any of that you know what i mean um but so they asked that and the text said conjure and preacher. So they asked, what did they conjure? And it said, lasting black geek percent and wagon. But the wagon was interesting because of like Oregon, Oregon Trail. Trail. Mm-hmm. And then like lasting and black. Now the geek, I was like, I mean, I don't know. But like people geek out over certain things. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like a pocket protector type of thing. Yeah, person. but I mean, that's not a vernacular that yeah that would have known 
Right. I don't know if vernacular is the word there, but you get the point. It sounds right to me. And then they continued asking questions and the word mistress popped up and then it said unholy after that. So like they just went around doing more of those interactions like inside, outside. They had dousing rods uh, that they used to help like kind of pinpoint where they wanted to do the EVP sessions at. And that's really all I have. It's just people who say it feels eerie. You know, and other people say, like, during the day, it doesn't feel anything at all, you know, but come nighttime, everything changes. So if you want to go see The Witch's Castle for yourself, it's in Forest Park in Portland, Oregon, and you'll just need to follow the McClay Trail, I believe, and they say it's not far from one of the parking lots, so it's one that hikers of all levels could do. Well, before we talk about your story anymore, we got to talk about Stitch Fix because y'all, I loved my fix. I know y'all heard us talk all about it last time with the cool clothes that we got and how tailored they were to both of us because we have very different styles, but like we like some of the same stuff because I steal all of our clothes, but also very different styles. And now I'm on my second fix. And um, I'm going to be on my third soon because I'm obsessed with having a stylist. I mean, hello, she's an expert. She's shopping for me. I don't sweat. And it gets delivered to my door. And in between my boxes, I went on and went through different products and was like, I like this one. I don't like this because of this. This is out of my budget, you know. And I began to give my stylist more information to help them further tailor my box. Something else, though, even if you're just wanting to peruse a website, they do have items for sale, and they usually have some stuff on sale. So if you're just kind of looking at the inspiration pictures where it's like, here's a shirt you're going to get. This is the outfit you could kind of wear with it. If you're like, oh, my God, I want those shoes, you can go and purchase those shoes. Yeah, I just got an email talking about sweater weather because they have some sweaters that you can buy and all of that for fall and stitch fix comes in sizes extra large to 3x so whether you're a small pizza or an extra large pizza they're gonna have something to fit you and I will say that sometimes I wear a 4x and it's just depending on the material of the shirt which they do give you all of that information it fits me fine and you can tell the stylist okay I need something longer or you know I have short arms so I don't like the quarter length sleeves and they will take that to heart they put that in your profile and that way they are able to curate your clothing selections more for you and so the more they can tailor it to you the more you're going to get everything that you want so the longer you're with stitch fix and the more boxes that you get the better they're going to be for your style oh and remember how i said they get shipped to your house well they do but shipping and returns are always free and they have that return bag ready for you to send it back. And with over a thousand brands in style, no matter what season of life you're in, Stitch Fix has you covered. So whether you're starting a new job like Donna and you need to spruce up your wardrobe for a little more business casual, or you're like me and you need more in-between wear because you got business casual and you got comfy loungy clothes, but you need the in-between, Stitch Fix has us covered. And also, it doesn't have to be monthly. You can set your own time that you're going to get another fix. 
Absolutely. I am so excited to see what comes in my fix this month because I know that my stylist is going to pull some pieces that I'm going to love. And if you want to get a fix just like that, you got to go to stitchfix.com creep and you're going to get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Again, they just get us and we know that Stitch Fix is going to get you too. So try Stitch Fix at stitchfix.com creep and when you keep everything in your fix, you'll get 25% off. That's stitchfix.com slash creep. I don't know so much about like the floating lanterns and stuff that you're seeing in your story. You know what I mean? With, when they have like lights and there's no and there's no electricity and all. I really think that could be more, like you said, insect activity, like lightning bugs and stuff. But I don't know. I just feel like it's just a tragic story that has gotten a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Well, and even, like, the house itself, it looks spooky, and so I understand where the that comes from, but it's just on the land that that family lived on. Yeah. So there is, of course, trauma, and, you know, we know that he had substance abuse issues, and, I mean, if we want to believe what they say is true between him and Anna, that's a lot of trauma and energy that's trapped there. But it's not like that's where he shot Mortimer. Right. You know, so I don't know. Yeah. If the, if anything, it would have to be some sort of residual energy from the family. I, I, I don't know. I, I Yeah. I don't think that that place is necessarily haunted. I Well, and if it is, I don't think it's by them. Right. Because, too, for Anna to stay where her alleged abuser is, too... It's just, uh, that doesn't seem accurate to me. Yeah, but sometimes people get trapped places. I don't know. Well, that's why I feel like it's more of a residual loop type thing versus like an actual intelligent haunting. Yeah. I mean, I did have that epiphany, so who knows what's next? Well, I guess y'all will just have to stay tuned to find out. Do I believe in, I don't know, any of the paranormal stuff anymore (laughs) or at all? I don't know. Either way, thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. And don't forget to like, subscribe, review, all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.